the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm going to try and be happy. I really am going to try and be happy. It's Friday. A lot to be happy for, a lot to be thankful for. I'm going to attempt to really be happy throughout the entire program today. I know. I know what you're saying. How long? Start the clock right now. How long before Mike slips off the happy ledge and falls into the abyss of frustration, anger, incredulousness? How, how long? I, my, it might have just happened. I, I, don't, I don't know. We have much to talk about today. And um, we get a check-in today from Emily Zanati from Heat Street, our buddy. Haven't talked to her in a while. Uh, we also have a special guest in the third hour. And um, we have some bubbling issues to discuss. Now, first of all, I kind of, it's, it's one of those moments where I want to be happy. I really do want to be happy today. And I want to say thank God. Thank God that, that we have President Donald Trump in office because for at least, I think at least three years, I have been on this radio network talking about the fact that our veterans, some of the best people among us, deserve the care that they were promised, the health care they were promised, and health care is in the spotlight today. And we have known for several years that the VA was a giant pile of screw-ups, mostly at the top. There are many people working on the, on the ground in the VA, many people uh, in, in the actual battlefield of the VA administration, Veterans Administration, healthcare, hospitals, facilities, clinics, etc. Many of those wonderful people trying to get it done, but they are, they are saddled with a burden of, of incompetence from above. And so we had veterans dying. We have veterans still committing suicide at a daily rate that is unacceptable. 20 to 22 of our vets every single day commit suicide for whatever reason. And any veteran having to wait or drive, this should have been fixed under Barack Obama. This was the shame of the Obama administration and any administration that let it happen before. But it came to light under Barack Obama. And I know we're not supposed to blame the guy. Yes, we are. When it's this bad and it relates to the people who take care of our freedom, the people who volunteer, volunteer to run into the face of danger. And then they're either wounded physically or mentally. And we tell them, yeah, we got you. Only we don't got you. President Trump just signed the VA Accountability Act the Veterans Administration Accountability Legislation, which reportedly will make it easier to fire VA employees for misconduct. 
Before this, there there were people that could sit in their VA offices in front of their computers watching porn all day, and it was virtually impossible to fire them. What about the incompetent folks who had the lists, who had the list, the secret list that decided basically life or death? You want to talk about death panels? We had death. What about that? And if this is true, Mr. President, I expect to see heads rolling immediately. I expect to see a house cleaning going on. Just re- it's time, sir. And this will be one of those places that should you decide to campaign and run, run again and campaign for, for this same office in 2020. This is one of those things that I know those of us on the conservative side of, of the aisle will measure your success and decide where we're going to put our vote. Not that I think any Democrat will do much better. But I want to know the veterans problem, the VA, the VA problem has been fixed. So let's go, sir. It's go time. You signed the legislation. He has the VA secretary in, with him and in front of the crowd. He's got, uh, they, they brought up a vet who had lost a leg and he had, he had so much trouble getting a prosthetic leg that it was ridiculous. Now they're all gathering for the signing, which is terrific. Let's sign it and let's get moving. Let's get, I want, I would love for the president of the United States to sign this bill, which is happening right now, just a few minutes after noon, East Coast time. And then for somebody start handing out pink slips to the bobos who have been dodging the, 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 uh, the termination notice. I want the HR department at the VA to start making appointments, to start sending boxes to people. Say, all right, clean that out. Clean that desk out and just go. Don't let the doorknob hit you where the good Lord split you. Get out. So veterans everywhere, I hope to God this is your day. I hope to God this is a time that you can look at your country and say, thank you. Thank you, America. I hope that this day will be as important This day will be as important as yesterday was in 1944 when the GI Bill was signed. I hope that veterans will point to, will point to today, June 23rd, 2017, and say this is the day America straightened it out and fixed it and started taking care of us. What a great thing that would be, especially leading into uh, we're, we're just less than two weeks away from the Independence Day celebration. This is, this is a hopefully good news. And you know it's going to take some of the attention away from the, uh, the news networks and all of the time they had planned on poking holes in what's not even a bill yet, what just is a discussion draft from the Senate on health care. Or it's going to take time away from the discussion on whether or not Robert Mueller is hiring a bunch of Hillary Clinton fans and donors and whether or not he should recuse himself, which is something we're going to discuss today, something that needs to be discussed today. Bunch of things going on today, a bunch of things. And I have some things I want you to watch. I know I mentioned um, 
I mentioned my concerns about sending American troops to El Salvador yesterday. It hasn't happened yet. I'm telling you it's coming down the pike. And I don't have confirmation from the DOD on that. I just have a little bit of um, information. And that's really all I can say about it. But uh, I'm, I'm just, uh, I hope to tell you soon. But so, so we'll get into that. Here's the phone number, 888-900-3393, I did post a vital question of the day today. I did post uh, something online early today, and it relates to a topic that I saw Glenn Beck talking about this yesterday about Uber. And the fact that Uber has now added uh, a tipping function to its app. I've used Uber. Have you used Uber? I use it a lot when I'm out of town. It's easy. And I can track my expenses easier than having to save a receipt from a cab driver. And uh, it's all very tidy. You don't have to carry cash with you because it goes right to your credit card. Very convenient. But Uber is going to add this uh, tipping angle on their on their app. So you can actually give the driver a little bit more if they did better. I tend to want to give a driver cash if it's a tip so then they don't get banged on, uh, on taxes because a tip is a gift. Let's be honest. When you tip somebody, essentially you're saying, thanks for the good service. I realize that the IRS jumped in a few years ago and started taxing uh, waitresses and waiters, service personnel in restaurants, based on what they anticipated their tips would be. And to me, that's just wrong. A tip, and I was always taught that the word tips comes from to, um, to ensure prompt service, T-I-P-S, to ensure prompt service. So tipping to me is, is me as a consumer saying, you've done an exceptional job or you did a not so exceptional job, and I want, to, uh, I want to notice that and give you a tip, I'll give you a little bit extra. Bam. So today's question, tipping people who provide a service, do you tip? If so, how much? Currently, 10% of you say you tip between 10 and 15%. 62% of you are saying you tip between 15 and 20%. And then uh, 20% of you are saying it kind of depends. Now here, you're, you're probably doing the math in your head saying that uh, that adds up to 99%. Yes, you're right, it does. That means there is 1% of our population online that do not tip. I'd like to talk to somebody who doesn't tip. I, I would love to. If you're, if you're even listening to the show right now, I, I'd love to hear from a non-tipper and educate me as to why you don't tip. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Interesting question, right? It's one of those, and, and I'm not talking about tipping at Christmas, like when you tip the the postal worker and the trash worker, and uh, I, and I'm I'm one of the people who says no, I don't tip at the dry cleaner because that person's probably making at least minimum wage. And what are they doing, really? 
So I would love to see all tip jars at the dry cleaners removed. Just a personal thought. You want to weigh in on tipping. You want to weigh in on vets. You want to talk about Johnny Depp, which we will get to. You want to talk about the health care bill. You want to talk about, oh, I have a story. I have a story uh, out of University of Delaware that is going to make you, well, I hope it makes you as angry as it made me. I know I said I was going to be happy today. I'm hearing you guys in my ear. Mike, you said you were going to be happy. I lied, but life and circumstances uh, won't let me. Look, there's some fun stuff. I will share the fun stuff with you, uh, maybe one or two per hour in order to keep us on the rails. We'll get to that after the break. This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. Opelka with Mike Opelka. I, I'm laughing during the break because I saw a Democratic senator refer to President Trump as Wile E. Coyote. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know if that's quite accurate. If that's true, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are pinky and the brain. We're going to go to cartoon references. Really, Democrats? Wiley Coyote. <laughs> oh, you guys are doing it to yourselves. It's just too good. Uh, checking in with Rob Lina today. Robert, happy Friday. How are you, sir? Hello, Mr. Opaka. Thank you for taking my call. Anytime. Anytime. What's on your mind today? Well, I got a question for you. Uh, didn't we already have a government health care plan before Obamacare was enacted called Medicare? Yeah, and Medicaid in, in the states. Right. Now, so why was, Obama, why was, the, why was uh, Obamacare even enacted then? Well, it, it's never about what it is on the, on the title. It's always about what's underneath it. You know that. This was always about power. This was always about creeping socialism this was always about trying to get and i firmly believe because we have it out of of jonathan gruber's mouth out of several different people who were involved in the architecture architecting of obamacare obamacare was designed to fail in order to have an outcry from the people saying we must have single payer we must have the government take over all of health care and that really was the end goal. Anything to get from from where we were before Obamacare was signed to single payer, all of that was just a, a means to an end. And so all that right, really folks, was the case. SCOTUS, 
said that Obamacare was really just a tax, therefore right. it was legal. Right. Isn't double taxation illegal by the Constitution? Well, you could make that argument. Someone would have to make that argument, and then we'd have to look at double taxation. And see, I consider a death tax to be double taxation and, and theft, exactly. yep. if you want to get down to it. But, you know, we're, we're starting to get some people who are, are eventually going to say, hold on a second. You're, you're getting income tax, you're getting gas tax, you're getting soda tax, you're getting sales tax. People are eventually going to wake up, but it's just, when do we hit the tipping point is the question that I keep asking. When, when are my friends on the liberal side of the aisle going to figure it out? It's not about health care. It's about control. It's about the bigger agenda. And it's really about uh, uh, not loving liberty. And they, they're playing off, I believe, Robert, they're playing off the sentiments of a population that has been so softened over the indoctrination of the past years that they want government to give them everything. They want a guaranteed job, a guaranteed home, a guaranteed basic income, everything. And health care is one of those first steps on that path. I can understand that. But, you know, I've got a simple solution to this whole uh, government health care thing. Okay. The, the simple solution is repeal Obamacare completely, 100%. Eliminate the mandate to have insurance, and then allow people to opt into Medicare. Well, that's that's something, actually, I think, hasn't Bernie Sanders talked about that? Medicare for I'm all? I'm not sure. I, I, don't, I don't pay attention to what Mr. Sanders says. I think he's a kook. <laughs> well, he is a kook. But he's a kook that tens of millions of people voted for. And I think we need to be mindful of people that have tens of millions of followers and see what they're talking about, because we will need to blunt those arguments down the road. Uh, I've been talking about something I heard and I have to, uh, Robert, I have to admit, I can't quite remember exactly who said it. But the reality is the, the healthcare system and what the government is trying to do was all because there were. 25 to 30 million people who they said did not have coverage and they needed health care coverage or they were going to be a big burden to the country. So we, right. we came in and said, instead of fixing just them, we were going to fix everybody and air quotes on fix. But the cost here, the cost of health care in America is typically at the beginning of life and the end of life. The majority right. of the cost of health care happen at the start of our lives and at the very end. And I've heard a proposal, or maybe it came to me in a dream, that the government should just do one thing. Get out of the way of everybody from three years old to 80 years old, and let's create a beginning-of-life and end-of-life high-risk pool that we have a tax to cover, and then those people are in there, and the rest of us, we're back to the old free market system without any limitations of state-line sales. And I think we would have an economically stable situation for most of the country. And then we would have this high risk pool that the rest of us would have to cover. Just my thoughts. I've got less than a minute. Yay or nay, what do you think? I think you'd be, I, I think you're eliminating the people who are, who are really poor in the country, though, that, that want insurance but can't afford it through the regular means. So That's allowing them to point. opt in with a, with a, uh, with a copay. And uh, and uh, you know, uh, overhead, uh, whatever you call it. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. So I, I need to fold my plan in with yours. 
So we're we're making right. progress. We're at least working together. This, ladies and gentlemen, is called bipartisanism. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Don't forget, you can uh, do what Robert did and join the conversation. 888-900-3393. We were talking about health care and coming up with our own solutions. We're going to see some pretty heated debates going on over the next few days. And then there'll be a final draft of the bill and a vote. And uh, right now, I'm, I, I don't know if it's going to get through. I don't know if the Senate's going to get through. And we'll get to that. But I have to bring something up. Is anyone else watching bad summer replacement television like I am? I, I tuned in last night to watch Beat Shazam. You know, there's an app on your phone. If you have a smartphone... And if you've always wanted, the, the app has been around forever, and it's, it's actually very good. You would listen to a song, and you could hold up your phone, and Shazam would listen and tell you what the song is and who sang it. And it was so handy. And, you know, it's not because the phone is listening to the music. It actually, I believe there's digital encoding in most songs you can buy. And this, this is how it helps track how many times a song plays on the radio so they can play, pay royalties and stuff like that. And I've used Shazam in the car. If you're driving in the car, you don't want to try and uh, record a song. But if you quickly tap on Shazam, it'll, it'll tell you what the song was. Because too often the guy on the radio doesn't tell you what the song is. And then it's gone and you're trying to explain it to somebody. And some genius... And I think Jamie Foxx was part of it. Turned this into a game show. And it's been on for a few weeks. Uh, I had only seen a couple minutes of it when I was in Dallas. So last night I tuned in because I heard it was the, the last episode of the trial of these first like six episodes. And it, I was sucked in immediately because it's different music categories and it's people competing against each other before one person gets to compete against the machine. And there's a million dollars involved. And last night, uh, there was a, a couple who were uh, dating pretty seriously because she mentioned that she wanted to get engaged. She was hoping he would eventually propose to her. There were a couple of guys who were friends and then there were uh, two musicians, and I thought that was weird. There was a singer, uh, Shannon, who, who actually had a hit song, Let the Music Play. And one of the guys who was an early hip-hop guy, part of uh, Stetsasonic a long time ago. I forget his name right now. 
And the, I thought it was unfair at first. I was like, wait a minute. You got two people that were in the music business. That seems like an unfair advantage. Well, the categories were very different. It was, it was uh, 80s, 90s. There was one category of all U2 songs, and there was one hip-hop. And I thought the, the two musicians would, would just sweep that. They lost. They, <laughs> they didn't get to take on the big machine. I think they got $7,000 or something when they left. But this young couple made it all the way to the final round against the, the big Shazam machine, and each time you identify a song, if you beat the machine, you get 25 grand. And they already had 70 or 80 grand, something. So they get all the way through and they beat the machine on five songs. They have $197,000 that's up on the board. And Jamie Foxx says, you can take the money and go home and you can have hundred, almost $200,000. And these two looked like, and that was the most money they'd ever seen. It would have been the most money I'd ever seen in one pile. Or you can play against the machine. And they've been running the table pretty good. And um, they chose to play for the million bucks. And if they lose, the money's going to get cut in half and they're going home with $98,000 and change, whatever it was. And as they talked about the opportunity to win the million dollars, Jamie Foxx did what most of us do when we think about a big return, a big prize. He said, what would you do if you win? And each one of them, they weren't married, remember. These were two young people, maybe in their early 30s, late 20s. Two young people who said, the, the young lady said, my mom struggles every month to make her house payment. And I would help fix that. And the other guy said his, his family had had some medical expenses. Uh, I, think, I think he said his, his mom had a motorcycle accident, which I was sitting there trying to wrap my head around my mom riding a motorcycle. But their first instinct was to take care of their families. And I thought, wow, okay. These are two people who understand. And you would hope that they're being honest when they talk about that. And they chose to take on the machine. And then they tell you which category it's in, and you have to, you have to guess the song. And they let the young lady, she chose to compete. I think it was 80s music or something. And I believe the song was Shout. And that's all you have to do is get the title right. But if you get one word in the title wrong, you lose. And if the machine gets it before you do, because apparently Shazam gets it within two to five seconds. So you have to be pretty fast on the draw. And they were getting everything in one to, one to two seconds most of the time. But this young lady hit the, hit the button, gave, gave the answer, and they won the million bucks. And I just thought, great. And then the skeptic in me starts thinking, wait a minute, this is the last episode of this show in the series? Nobody won the million dollars until this time. Nobody ever was successful against the machine until the very last show. I'm just thinking they made it a little bit easier in hopes that somebody could win so they could get renewed. And you know what? I don't care. Somebody won a million bucks. The show is fun to play along. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If I'm wrong, call and tell me I'm crazy.
Just a little sidebar. Um, I, this is this is summer TV like I used to remember summer TV when I was a kid. It was either game shows that nobody knew would be successful and they were trying them out, or it was um, variety shows. You know, it was the Brady Bunch family variety hour or the Osmonds or somebody, um, but uh, the Hudson Brothers. But the, um, the, the story last night was a young couple... Not married, but it, I'll bet you they're engaged today. Wins a million bucks because they were fast on the draw and they knew music. Pretty simple concept. And I'll tell you, all that says to me is there are ideas out there yet to be explored and discovered that could turn into great industries and great businesses. And I know I talk a lot about protection of ideas and intellectual property on this show, but I do believe that's part of what America's about. That's part of what the greatness of this country is about. It's finding something that you're interested in and you love or you want to improve and make better. And if you do make it better, if you do improve, if you do create something out of your mind, it could become something that will make your life, your family, the nation better. And that's why I, I so stand behind intellectual property rights. As much as I stand behind just regular property rights, intellectual property rights are just as important. So a little, I know I got off on a little preachy thing about, about this. When I come back, I want to talk about something that really ticked me off and it happened here in Delaware. It happened here in Delaware and I almost, I, I almost can't believe it happened. And it ties to North Korea. Intrigued, right? Yeah probably are so we've got an update on uh, dennis rodman we've got an update on north korea and a college professor who has me boiling mad i'll tell you the story next on pure opelka pure opelka with mike opelka on the blaze radio network You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Still to come today, we're going to get into Johnny Depp and that that dumb idea of his. And uh, I hope he's having a chat right now with some people in the Secret Service. We're also going to visit with Emily Zanotti of Heat Street. Haven't heard from her in a couple weeks, and I, I love to keep up with Emily. You're going to meet a hero and uh, she may not know she's a hero, but in the middle of the second hour, you're going to meet a hero. And I have a story to tell you out of Toronto that's going to prove to you Canadians can be just as dumb as Americans can be, and maybe dumber. And uh, here in Delaware, here in, in, the, in the lovely state of Delaware, we have uh, the University of Delaware. That's where the Joe Biden school is, right? You've, you've all heard about that. Joe Biden has his own school here in at Delaware, the School of Government. You know, it's one of those things, those honorary things they do after you're the vice president or the president. And it, it really is a foundation that, that gives you a bunch of cover and, a, and an office to go to. It, it's kind of it's kind of Bravo Sierra. You know what I'm saying? But a bunch of Joe Biden's buddies will get jobs 
and they'll get donations and they'll put out white papers and basically do nothing. But it'll look good on your on your resume to say, oh, I was a fellow at the Biden school. Right. But at that same University of Delaware, a professor, a professor of anthropology has put out what has to be the ugliest statement on the Otto Warmbier tragedy that I have seen. Catherine Detweiler is an anthropology professor at University of Delaware. Doesn't that sound like a snooty anthropology professor? Uh, Catherine Detweiler of the anthropology department. Um, she expressed her feelings on the death of Otto Warmbier in um, the comments section of a a story posted by the National Review, and it also showed up on her personal Facebook page. And I looked at her personal Facebook page. You can too. Detweiler, D-E-T-T-W-I-L-E-R. In this post, Catherine Detweiler of Newark, Delaware, I know to people in New Jersey and New York, it looks like Newark, but down here in Delaware, it's pronounced Newark, In uh, Newark, Delaware, the University of Delaware professor writes, Is it wrong? Is it wrong of me to think that Otto Warmbier got exactly what he deserved? Okay, that sentence alone is enough for you to to warrant public shaming, Miss Detweiler. You're allowed to say it, of course. You're allowed to say outrageous things, but we're allowed to point out to you what an idiot you are. That body is not in the ground two days. That family has just buried their son. And no matter what you think of his actions, it's a little insensitive. So beyond this first sentence, uh, Catherine Detweiler even says uh, dumber things, in my opinion. So she says, is it wrong of me to think that Otto Warmbier got exactly what he deserved? He went to North Korea for F's sake, only she didn't abbreviate, and then acted like a spoiled, naive, arrogant U.S. college student who had never had to face the consequences of his actions, period. Um, he did go to North Korea, but so have many people. There are tours you can take. We had a, a police officer on this radio show two days ago who had also just gone to North Korea. Now, he didn't act like a spoiled, naive, arrogant U.S. college student who had never had to face the consequences of his actions. But is is it okay, Ms. Detweiler, Professor Detweiler, is it okay to uh, give the death penalty? I wonder how she feels about the death penalty here in America. And this guy stole or attempted to steal a banner. And he was given 15 years of hard labor that ultimately, in less than a few months, turned into a crippling problem. And he was in a coma for 15 months and ultimately died when he got home. Was the death penalty the appropriate punishment, madam? She goes on to say, I see him crying in his sentencing hearing and thinking, what did you expect? How about a few minutes of thought given to all the other people in North Korea who are suffering under the repressive government there? 
just because they are North Koreans and not U.S. citizens, we shouldn't care about them. We're not talking about that, madam. She goes on to say, I've spent my life teaching folks just like Otto. I'm a 62-year-old college professor of anthropology, and Otto was typical of the mindset of a lot of young, white, rich, clueless males who come into my classes. These are the same kids who cry about their grades because they didn't think they'd really have to read and study the material to get a good grade. They deserve a good grade for being who they are. Well, she's not wrong on that point. But we're not talking about a bad grade. We're talking about 15 years of hard labor for a dumb prank that he probably wouldn't have done had he known it would have been a 15-year sentence. Of course she talks about this and says something even more offensive. I'll share the rest of this woman's ridiculous statements after the break. Michael Pelka on Pure Opelka. We'll be right back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Second hour, Pure Opelka. It is Friday. I am still trying to keep my my pledge to you from earlier in the show when we open up. And I said, I'm going to try and stay happy today. I'm going to try and keep keep the train on the rails. Although it's not it's not looking good right now. Uh, when we left before the news, we were talking about the story of a University of Delaware professor who really has, I think, stepped over the line. And again, she's free to say this, but we're free to promote what a jack wagon she is. We're free to tell everybody that a University of Delaware anthropology professor, a 62-year-old woman, has called out Otto Warmbier. He's incapable of defending himself Because he's dead. His family is grieving the loss of their son. And this University of Delaware professor, Catherine Detweiler, you can see it on her Facebook page under Kathy, with a K, Detweiler, D-E-T-T-W-Y-E-R, W-Y-L-E-R. She said Otto Warmbier got exactly what he deserved. And then she went on to rail against him and say he's just like all of those young, white, rich, clueless males who come into my classes. Really? That's that's what you think of the kids who essentially are, uh, well, they're not really paying your salary because you're at a, uh, at a state school, a University of Delaware. She does go on to say, Um, his parents ultimately are to blame for his growing up thinking he could get away with whatever he wanted. Yeah, some of that I agree with. 
She also adds, maybe in the U.S., where young, white, rich, clueless white males routinely get away with raping women. Really? Really? That's, that's what you think of young, white, rich, clueless white males? She puts white in there two times. You'd think that a professor, probably tenured, would be able to have pre-read and proofed her own writing. She talks about maybe in the U.S. where young, right, white, rich, clueless white males routinely get away with raping women. Not so much in North Korea. And of course, it's Otto's parents who will pay the price for the rest of their lives. They will. They are. She, she went after some of the people who responded to her. And uh, people who actually wrote back and said... Uh, that she is wrong to post a hate-filled comment on Otto Warmbier's death. One of the posters called the professor a hate-filled, twisted person who, who should not be teaching at all, saying, the hatred you spew at ordinary white college kids proves the point of the article. Please drop dead soon. Well... You know, I don't always agree with statements, but at least he like that. But at least he was polite. Uh, Detweiler actually responded, saying, "I'm not, in fact, full of hate. I love my hardworking, sincere, non-arrogant college students. Note that I said Otto's behavior is like the white, rich, clueless males. Meant of my stu meant, and she meant many. Again, with the typos, many of my students don't fall into that demographic." If you knew some of these kids, you'd be appalled. They think nothing of raping drunk girls at frat parties and snorting cocaine, cheating on exams, and threatening professors with physical violence. I would not call them ordinary. Not at all. Okay, now here's where I get into a problem with Kathy Detweiler. Kathy Detweiler is saying that the students at University of Delaware the white, rich, clueless males at the University of Delaware. She's saying that they think nothing of raping drunk girls at frat parties, snorting cocaine, cheating on exams, and threatening professors with physical violence. So is that going on, Kathy Detweiler? Is that going on? Why haven't you reported this to the campus police or the police in Newark, Delaware? Come on, seriously. Campus Reform published uh, much of what Kathy Detweiler has posted here and uh, also, also attempted to reach out to the professor for commentary. She did not re- reply at the time of their publication. But I want to know if uh, Kathy Detweiler has witnessed or gotten reports of drunk girls being raped at frat parties at UD and cocaine being snorted, and cheating happening on exams, and the threatening of professors with physical violence, why hasn't she reported this? She does have a page on one of those. You know, there are, there are places you can go online and rate college professors. It's called RateMyProfessors.com, oddly enough. And some of her uh, previous students on her page say that this is not unusual. She was listed and described as... Um, very opinionated by one student, another saying she's obnoxious, 
and even claimed, according to the reporting here, that, quote, hates America. So um, I, I would love that University of Delaware would look into this. And I will. Uh, we, we know people in the political science department. We've had guests from the poli science department on this program. No one from the anthropology department yet. And I wonder if she's off for the summer. But we will make an effort to uh, reach out and find out what's going on. But once again, just a disgusting, disgusting display from someone that we apparently are trusting or, or entrusting to shape the minds of the young people coming through the system. And I realize the students are adults. I realize Otto Warmbier was an adult, 23 years old. He made a mistake. But according to this professor, he got exactly what he deserved. Really? John McCain called it murder. So many others have called it murder. So, professor, I guess you believe stealing a poster or a petty, petty theft of a political poster is worthy of the death penalty. I really do wonder what the professor thinks about the death penalty in America. I wonder if she's had any discussion of that. I'll bet you she's against the death penalty. I, I just think that's probably where she stands. And again, we will reach out and see if we can get a hold of the professor and see if she'll respond. But it's one of those stories I could not let pass. I could not let it slide away. Okay, try and get it back on the rails, Mike. Try and find your happy place. Try and find it. You know what we need to do? We need to discuss. Uh, if we're talking locally, I'm, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to reach out to a guy that I know here. In, um, he works for NBC Radio News. Uh, he is a, a, a local guy who is a correspondent nationally for NBC Radio News. His name is Bill Zimfer. And Bill has been, uh, I think we had him on before. He covered the Cosby trial and uh, will probably cover the second trial. And I reached out to Bill last night and said, are you going to have any time? Because I wanted to talk about this insane story about what Bill Cosby's planning on doing in the immediate future. His spokespeople were on, uh, on, on a radio show or a TV show, a morning TV show in Alabama. And they explained Bill Cosby's next Next plan of action, what he's going to do to get himself back out. Remember, his spokesman said Mr. Cosby got his power back and he's he's back. He's going to be back out, back out in the world again. Well, what Bill Cosby's planning on doing is a little bit crazy, in my humble opinion. And uh, we have to have some fun with that. And I also need to know about the jurors, because. Uh, looking at the, the news reports, uh, Shamant and I were talking about this yesterday. Uh, the juror breakdown, first of all, was 10 white and two black. And I believe it was the two black jurors were the only two who reportedly were against convicting Mr. Cosby. But since that, since that discussion, we have also heard some different stories about what the jurors were thinking about doing. And I'm more disturbed and distressed about the fact that 
all of the information about these jurors is now public. And anybody who wants to talk to these jurors can make their life miserable or make their life, um, it, it could be miserable. Let's just put it that way. I don't think they're, they're going to be happy about their fame. But uh, I'll tell you what, we're, we'll jump out a little bit early and see if we can get hold of Bill Zimfer and get Bill to talk about what the, what the Cosby trial is doing and where, it's, and where he's going with this crazy story. It, it, almost, it almost sounds like they're setting us up for some kind of parody. If I didn't know better, if I didn't know they were serious about their plans, I would think they were joking. That plus, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to Emily Zanotti from Heat Street. Emily has uh, posted a couple stories this week. Uh, some have me scratching my head and just going, uh, no, this has to stop. And um, others have me shaking my head. Yes, I'm happy to see that's happening. We'll get to all of that just around the corner on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Let me take care of some business while I wait on uh, Bill Sinford to dial in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to repeat this until the whole world that has pain in its, in its knees and its back and its hips and its neck, until the whole world realizes there's an all-natural anti-inflammatory that can help you greatly. It's called Relief Factor. I use it. I use it every day. I take it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's so simple for me to do. Try the three-week quick start pack. It's 20 bucks, 1995, actually. 1995 for a three-week quick start pack. Call them at Relief Factor, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384, or go to relieffactor.com. Just go there right now. And check it out. Get the information. What it did for me in eight days, I stopped feeling the pain in my knees and in my back and in my hips. The inflammation went down. The pain went away. I don't take any over-the-counter painkillers. I don't take prescription painkillers. It's called Relief Factor. It's all natural. I'm back on the golf course. I'm back in the garden. I'm back walking the dog. Check it out for yourself. 800-500-8384 relief factor. I mentioned the Cosby thing, the latest with Bill Cosby and the craziness coming out of Bill Cosby's camp. And uh, my buddy who's um, covering the case, Bill Zimfer from uh, NBC News, uh, I think he's on the line. Bill's a guy who's uh, basically in the news biz and uh, he knows the update on this, right, Bill? 
Hey, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I'm staying. I'm trying to stay out of the news myself. Well, that's a good idea. It's better, always better to report the news than to be in the news. I think that's <laughs> axiom number one. You got it. I, I got a couple of questions, Bill. I, I know you want to talk or you have some information about the Cosby jurors, but I have to tell you, my jaw dropped when I read what Bill Cosby's people are up to and they're saying he's about to embark upon. Yeah, they appeared on a, a morning TV show down in Alabama, uh, at least that's the, uh, the one I saw, uh, where his spokesman, Andrew Wyatt, uh, his spokespeople were there, announcing that Bill Cosby's going to uh, stage a series of town halls. The subject will be sexual assault, except the angle is a little bit different than you might imagine. The angle would be how to avoid being accused of sexual assault. Uh, kind of strange, uh, and, and I don't understand it. Uh, this is really getting weirder as we go along. How He's going to, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait just a minute here, Bill. Are you telling <laughs> me that I'm going to go out in front of people who are paying to see me and tell them how to avoid sexual assault? Is that what you want me to do? Hey, that's pretty good, Mike. That, <laughs> that is not bad at all. Uh, yeah, and as you can imagine, there's going to be protesters at each of his appearances. I, I just can't even believe that there... I could understand if you're going to go out and talk about sexual assault and the issues and uh, victims of sexual assault yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But to go at it the other way and say, hey, uh, you know, uh, you got to watch out because certain things will be interpreted as a sexual assault. Uh, it's, it's really strange. And I wonder if if there will be a representative from the prosecution's office at every one of these to see if anything he's saying publicly could be used in the next trial. Oh, I think that anything that uh, he does is going to be videotaped for sure and uh, and could be used. Uh, absolutely. So I imagine that, yeah, they, anything he says from here on out is going to be documented. This is absolutely wild. Now, the other story that initially I reached out because I was stunned seeing all the information about the jurors from the now mistrial that yep. was coming out. And I thought when you were a juror, I, do you give up all anonymity if you if you are a part of a case? Well, uh, your names can be released. It's part of the public record. And, of course, Monday, right after the trial ended, uh, media outlets were in front of the judge requesting that the names be released. Um, there are certain cases where they do remain anonymous for the safety of the jury, like an organized crime trial or something mm -hmm. like that. In that case, uh, the jurors' names can remain secret. But uh, in, in a, an average trial, the names of the jurors are public record. And uh, Judge Stephen O'Neill pointed to a 2007 state supreme court ruling that said such and uh, he was uh, he said he was obliged to uh, to release the names of the jurors now having said that the trial was a situation of okay who do you believe uh, and now you were hearing from the jurors and it's a situation of who do you believe on on wednesday a juror came out and said they were 10 to t 10 to, uh, 10 out of 12 voted to convict on two counts the other was 11 to 1 to acquit thursday we had another juror coming out saying it was about split down the middle um, seven to five to uh, to convict. Another one was seven to five to acquit. So uh, who do you believe here? I'm not sure. And then this was the best one, Mike. Um, yesterday we also had an alternate juror come out, wanted to remain anonymous, but his, he was on TV. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's he unbelievable. Would not, <laughs> 
He would not say he would not have his name released, but there he is on the screen. So he I was on Inside Edition. So uh, just uh, just an incredible sequence of events. Well, I, it's only going to drive up interest in the the next trial. I think everything from this Cosby yeah. sex tour to uh, the uh, the the identity of the jurors and the difference of information out there. It, it will all be watching. I'm sure. I. I wonder, they won't televise this trial, will they? No, in Pennsylvania, you're not allowed to televise trials. Darn it. I, I, you know, we would watch that. We definitely would watch that. Well, mm-hmm. th- thank you, Bill Zimfer. We appreciate you. Bill Zimfer from NBC Radio News. Uh, I hope we talk again soon. Okay, Mike. Have a good weekend. Thank you. You too, sir. Uh, I love discussing it because he's been in that courtroom. I, I love getting Bill's take on things. He he's uh, he's had a front row seat and I hope he gets a front row seat to the next one. Although I tend to think, depending on what happens at this tour, which, you know, is going to be plagued with protesters, uh, that there's going to be uh, there's going to be a scramble to get those seats next time. Uh, Stepping away for a minute. When we get back, Emily Zanotti from Heat Street is checking in. There's been a whole bunch of weirdness going on in the world this week. She covered some of it and I want to get her opinion on the rest of it, next on Puro Pelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a Friday, so we're trying to celebrate, but then I stumble into stories like the Johnny Depp story and the story of the University of Delaware professor. And, uh, oh, there's a host of others. So in order to help me crawl back in off the ledge, I am enlisting uh, a bright light, somebody who uh, is incapable of making me feel or making me remember all of the bad news that's out there. It's it's my friend from uh, HeatStreet.com, HeatSD.com, HeatSD.com, but it's Heat Street. Emily Zanotti's with us. I, a long time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I feel like it's been forever. It has been. And, you know, it's it's just been this crazy sprint of weird stories for the past two weeks. And I'm like, yeah. I, I need to bring... I need to bring Zanotti in here to get me in off the ledge because, frankly, uh, between all the stories, I haven't even gotten to the the Toronto University that's going to host a segregated commencement for the black students. It's just too much. Right. <laughs> it's it, craziness. It's so, there's so much right now. I feel like the last three weeks have felt like four years. I can't yeah. believe it's still June. <laughs> yeah, it does feel. And, you know, we just got to hang out. We just got to make it to the the end of the month. And we get that little extra break because mm-hmm. the Independence Day is on a Tuesday. So we actually get a Monday and a Tuesday. 
and then that bonus of the short week after. So we get a four-day weekend and then a three-day work week the next day. It's like, it's like a double bonus. I'm happy for Pretty that. Nice. But uh, out of all the stories this week, in, in real news stories, not in the kooky news, because I know you've got 100 kooky mm-hmm. news stories. Yeah, we do lots the, of kooky news stories. What was the one that caught your attention the most? What was the one that surprised you? Was it, was it the election on uh, Tuesday night? Was it the announcement of the no tapes? Or was it the, the uh, discussion draft of the bill? I feel like it was the discussion draft because the other two, the other two I sort of knew were coming. I think we knew that Ossoff probably wasn't going to win and that we would wake up Wednesday morning and have a whole host of Democrats saying that, well, it's really a Pyrrhic victory for Ossoff because we spent $80 million, $40 million, and we still didn't get more than 10% of the vote that we got, uh, 10% more of the vote that we got in 2016. Um, and I thought Donald Trump was kind of making up the tapes thing from the beginning, but this, this health care bill has sort of revved up into this big issue, uh, both, both Democrats and Republicans. You just see people who are deeply, deeply unsatisfied with what's coming out of Congress and this draft legislation that's been disseminated everywhere. It's, it's designed for reconciliation. It's designed as a budget bill, and it really doesn't do a whole lot. It doesn't make the kind of changes that these guys campaigned on. So that shocked me. I thought they were going to come back with a much better health care bill. Yeah, especially when the Senate, when the House bill first dropped and was managed to get through, and then the Senate basically said, it's dead on arrival. We're going to write it ourselves and we're going to show you mm-hmm. children how real lawmakers do their job. I thought, wow, we're going to actually get repeal and replace. And right. it, it's going to be great, just like the president promised. And it seems like, as you said, a pre-existing conditions clause stays in. T- stay on your parents' policy till you're 26 stays in. There's, it, mm-hmm. it is, as Rand Paul has said and Ted Cruz has said, in my eyes, it's Obamacare light. And that doesn't yeah. help anybody. And it's interesting because it feels like they pulled back on so many things because they were afraid that they would be accused of murdering thousands of Americans and being heartless, terrible people for taking away health care. But you're going to get that whether you repeal and replace or whether you just do this Obamacare light. The, the response is going to be the same. So you may as well make good on the promise that you made to the voters that put you in office. It's just it seems like this is what they ran on, and it's shocking to me that they insist on ke- on coming back over and over and over again with these budgetary bills that are so stripped down of, of any conservative principles. They're designed to pass without floor votes. They're, they're just, they're nothing. And, and in the end, we're still going to be stuck with a giant bureaucracy and probably the same issue with, at least if, if I'm reading it this way, we're stuck with the same issue with the insurance companies and the premiums right. and the issues with coverage. So nothing really changes except now Schumer's going to call it Trump care and say it's failing and people are dying and we're giving a tax and now break. It to becomes, yeah. yeah, and now it becomes your responsibility. So 
We have insurers that are pulling out of the marketplace. Aetna just pulled out today. It was the last major insurance company in the marketplaces in most states. So people now have only a single option if you are not given employer-provided insurance. You have to go with these Obamacare plans. And I had one for a very long time, and it had a $14,000 per year premium and a $12,000 per year deductible. It was like having nothing at all. And that's not going to change. The insurance marketplaces are still going to be incredibly expensive. They're still going to be infeasible for these insurance companies to handle. So none of the problems that are associated with Obamacare are really going to change under this bill. The only thing that's going to change is now Republicans are responsible for a failing health care system rather than Barack Obama. What, what I don't understand, Emily, and we're talking to Emily Zanotti from Heat Street, uh, what I don't understand is for six years or more, we were told that if we would just remove the state restrictions and allow insurance mm-hmm. to be sold across state lines, all the costs would come down. And nobody on either side has ever responded to that. Why? Is it lobbyists for the insurance company keeping the money high? I don't really know. We have never, you know, and I talk to people in Washington about this. I ask people who are involved in the industry, why this has never been brought up. And I get a varying answer. Some people will say it's lobbyists. Some people say the insurance companies just give too much money to re-election campaigns. So if people don't want to mess with the current insurance system, it would be too hard. Uh, A lot of people say that the insurance companies are sort of teetering on the brink of bankruptcy and having to take on this this responsibility of going across state lines would definitely send them into the gutter. There's excuse after excuse after excuse, but it seems like that's the solution that everybody wants, the free market-based solution to insurance sales, and yet it's never brought up in any of these legislative hearings. Yeah, that's what I I absolutely don't get it. And in terms of the insurance companies teetering on, on on the verge of bankruptcy, uh, Rand Paul seems to think it's it's quite the opposite. Rand Paul was saying that the insurance companies made X billions of dollars in profits. And based on this bill, it's going to more than triple. And so that if the GOP bill were to go through as currently, even though it's just a draft for discussion, if it was mm-hmm. passed as is, the insurance companies would get another hundred billion dollars in revenue which would make their profits, which are already pretty strong, skyrocket. So I just don't understand why that issue... Hmm? Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say that both of these bills, the Obamacare bill and the Republican bill, do not address the issue of a, a bailout built directly into the Affordable Care Act. If this all goes to pot in the next several years and the insurance companies are, cannot sustain this health care policy... We will bail them out. It is predestined in the ACA. And so the insurance companies have this incentive to fail. And it's still in these Republican bills. It adopts all of that language that says, if this doesn't work, we will bail out the insurance industry. So it's it's a terrible cycle of, well, we're going to give them profits. And if they don't make profits, we're going to give them government money. And if We give them government money. We're going to insist that they keep operating. So they've created this downward spiral of healthcare that now is probably unsolvable. Well, this I did not realize that. And correct me if I'm wrong, 
But this parallels the problem we had with the home mortgages when the government told banks you have to lend to people who aren't qualified mm -hmm. and because because we want people owning homes and even if you do so and it fails we will bail you out and that's what led to right. the mortgage meltdown which led to a huge chunk of the of the collapse in 2008 and 2009 it's the same damn thing why are we repeating? Mm -hmm. I know I'm asking you. Why are we repeating this <laughs> a mistake this big? I'm sorry. I don't mean to yell at you, Emily. Because because uh, the opposite of progress is Congress. I I don't. I I guess I don't really know. Because we we keep repeating these mistakes, and you're exactly right. We've created this problem with uh, farm subsidies. We've created this problem with housing subsidies. We've created this problem across the board. And insurance is kind of the last holdout. Uh, we have to create a problem for the insurance industry. We just cannot manage to leave it alone. It's it, the glory days of me having a thousand uh, dollar a month premium are, are so long gone. I remember it as fondly, and I'm a millennial. <laughs> wow, yeah, it's it's frightening to me because I I'm I'm just around the corner from not being able to have a. A, a company provided if it goes away. I'll be on a government provided and not keen on that idea. All right, I got to do one quick weird story uh, before I let you go. Uh, the <laughs> rainbow armpit hair, what the <laughs> hell is happening? I, this is a downfall of civilization, and I'm just cataloging it as a journalist. <laughs> I have done more stories on armpit hair. I So we had... A couple of weeks ago, we had a story about how armpit hair was sort of the new feminism. People were growing out their armpit hair like they did in the 60s. Um, but now, apparently, that's not enough. You actually have to dye your armpit hair once it's grown out in a rainbow pride flag because that's the only way to show you're a true social justice warrior, an intersectional feminist. Uh, I'm 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 back on the ledge, Emily. Thank you. I was I was in off the ledge when we had a serious discussion about government and its problems, and now rainbow armpit hair has me back and on the ledge. Now it just makes you want to move to a farm in the middle of a desert and prepare for the zombie apocalypse. I, I'm thinking New Zealand is the only answer at this point, but I I can't stand a plane flight that long. Otherwise, I'd be there. Well, I, we've missed you on the show. I hope you come back again soon. It's Emily Zanotti from Heat Street, heatst.com. Check her out, follow her stuff. She's smart and also silly, and we love that. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. If you're not sure when you should listen to the Blaze Radio, here are some ideas. While swimming with sharks. While darning socks. While hacking the mainframe. Pretty much any time is a good time to listen to the Blaze Radio. Check out our live shows. It's Chris Salcedo. Welcome to the show on the Blaze. Podcast. This is Puro Palka, the early edition on the Blaze Radio Network. And on-demand programming. Welcome to the Lawrence Jones Show. I can't thank you enough for joining the program. All at theblaze.com slash radio. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you are a loved 
one took Zorelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zorelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-436-0142. That's 800-436-0142. Attention, Zorelto and Pradaxa users. If you or a loved one has taken Zorelto or Pradaxa and suffered an injury or even died, you could be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Zorelto and Pradaxa are prescribed blood thinners used to prevent blood clots and protect people from strokes. If you have taken Zorelto or Pradaxa and been hospitalized for internal bleeding, call now. 800-630-6720. Serious bleeding has led to numerous cases of hospitalization and death. If you or a loved one was hospitalized for serious internal bleeding or a stroke after taking Zorelto or Pradaxa, you could be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Don't be a silent victim. Time is limited to file your claim. Call now for free information and a free consultation. Call 800-630-6720. That's 800-630-6720. Again, 800-630-6720. This is an advertisement. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. InjuryHelpDesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. Bill O'Reilly on the Glenn Beck Program. Teresa May. Uh, what do you want to know about? I want to know what do you think is going to happen with Brexit? Brexit is going to happen. Now, as far as Mrs. May, she comes across to me as a rather uh, boring person. You know, hey, and you must sit down and shut up. <laughs> Listen to wow. Bill O'Reilly. I mean, he is, he is, put, he's he is his hair cutting down. loose. He's got that one hair on the top, and yeah. he's letting it all the way down. <laughs> Bill O'Reilly on the Glenn Beck Program. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Does it seem like the bank has no interest in helping you save your home, and you feel like you have nowhere to turn for help? Then we have good news for you. Foreclosure Protection Services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. That's all they do. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, it's critical that you call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-899-8443. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, Foreclosure Protection Services can help stop the foreclosure process. Call today before it's too late. New laws are in effect that may save your home. Call Foreclosure Protection Services now at 800-899-8443. 800-899-8443. That's 800-899-8443. The IRS is the most feared agency in the world. You've heard ads from other companies offering to help taxpayers only if they owe over $10,000. Here at Platinum Tax Defenders, we're A-plus rated with the Better Business Bureau, and we're proud to be one of the only tax firms in the country who understands that people who owe less than $10,000 need help just as badly. The IRS doesn't care how much money you owe. They'll still garnish your wages and even seize your assets. So whether you owe just a few thousand dollars or hundreds of thousands, Call now for your free tax consultation. If you qualify, we may even be able to reduce your tax debt down to a small fraction of what you owe. So don't wait until the IRS seizes your property and garnishes your wages. Call 800-579-4967 and get your tax problem resolved once and for all. That number again is 800-579-4967. 800-579-4967. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. When this country exists for the purpose of helping people and you weren't even willing to take the help on the terms the country has provided, 
that has done so much good in the world, it's beyond arrogance. It's the ultimate arrogance. That's not caring about other people. That's not even caring about your family. That's caring about yourself. This is The Morning Blaze. The Morning Blaze. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on The Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. I need some stupid news, okay? I need stupid news. I, we've been talking about the health care plan. We've been talking about the, the, way that, the way that Washington was this week, some of the divisive nature of the, the Democrats. You know, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi... You lost another election. There's a division in your party. There's a war from the the Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren side. Twelve of your own people, Nancy, are meeting to talk about overthrowing the queen and coming up with a new speaker. Yeah, you'd think you would stop with the name calling and all the harsh rhetoric about this health care plan and say, why? you know what? One party would really win in 2018. One party would clean up in 2018 if that party's leadership would step up and say, look, let's throw the whole thing out and we're going to invite six Democrats to caucus with seven Republicans and we're going to write a new bill. And we're going to take the parts of Obamacare that work. Maybe I should say the part of Obamacare that works. And, and weave it in with stuff that we know, free market stuff we know would work. That party would clean up. That party would kick ass and own the Congress, the House and the Senate for the next 20 years. But they're all too stupid. To, they're all too myopic to, to deal with it. I got a question. Not the vital question of the day. Have you ever eaten roadkill? Have you ever harvested roadkill? Raise your hand. I'm one, two, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So a few of you have. Oregon has just added roadkill to um, the list of legal things you can do in the state in terms of harvesting meat. They approved a law making it legal for animals killed in car car crashes to be harvested for meat. Apparently, there was uh, some actual supportive testimony from roadkill aficionados who say that the protein quality of roadkill meat is better than what you can get at the grocery store because it doesn't have all those hormones in it. My only problem with roadkill is that how do you know how long it's been on the pavement? You know what I'm saying? Uh, when you kill a deer when you're hunting, you at least know when it went down. But that deer on the side of the road, I'm not so sure about that one. Stepping aside, we'll be back for the third hour. Got a special guest you want to meet at the bottom of the hour. Someone who's doing great things for our vets, plus some more craziness. We'll, we'll get to that next on Puro Pelka. Opelka. With Michael Pelka 
on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Third hour, Pure Opelka. Happy Friday. I'm kind of I'm kind of drifting back towards uh, a little less angry zone today. If you want to join the conversation, you can either try and make me angry or make me happy, or just talk. Uh, open line, open topic. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. Something I wanted to tell you about, and we'll get into it a little bit more tomorrow. Tomorrow is, I, I think tomorrow's an important day. I think tomorrow we should uh, keep an eye on things. Um, why, Mike? Why tomorrow? Uh, tomorrow is, I believe, I think tomorrow's the anniversary of the start of the Korean War. And the way the Korean people are, the North Korean people specifically, I think we need to pay attention and be worried that Kim Jong idiot is going to do something dumb. I'm I'm just saying I I feel like uh Mr. Mr. Dictator is going to do something dumb on Saturday. And we have noticed yes there was a a missile test yesterday, a rocket test actually, not a missile test, but a big rocket engine was tested yesterday and um and the little dictator, he was out there giving the orders. But they've seen on the satellite imagery some movement on the area where the North Koreans typically run their nuclear tests from. And so it would make sense, based on the way they've done things in the past, for North Korea to test something tomorrow on the anniversary of the Korean War. By the way, we're still at war with Korea. We signed an armistice. There was no truce. There was no formal surrender. There was no end to that war. So technically, if you want to do it on paper, yeah, we're still in a war with uh, North Korea. We're still part of that group that's at war with North Korea. So watch this space. Now, strangely... Now, I shouldn't even have to say the word strangely when I'm going to use the name Dennis Rodman right after it. Rodman is um, is talking to the media. He was on Good Morning America talking about this today. Happened this morning. Dennis Rodman talking about his pal, Kim Jong-un. People don't see the the good side about that country. But I think people don't see him as as a friendly guy. But if you actually talk to him. So when you see him, do you see a different guy? Oh, yeah. Does he smile? Does he, he <laughs> does he talk? Is he open? No, no, we, we always talk, right? We sing karaoke. It's not fun. Ride horses, everything. We sing karaoke. It's all fun. We ride horses. Uh, I'm sorry. You know, we're missing. Here's how you solve the problem in North Korea right now. We just we take Dennis Rodman and Kim Jong Un and we tell the little dictator 
we're going to make you a reality show star and it's you and Dennis and nothing can go wrong. And then we now have to report, we have to fill the power vacuum. We're going to have to put somebody in there. Who's not going to press his people, but we let him think we're going to have to get Rodman's going to have to drug him. And then we're going to have to knock him out and take Kim Jong-un out of there. We have to get a Kim Jong-un lookalike. We're going to put him in there and this guy's going to bring in free market economy to North Korea and turn the country around. And, uh, Dennis Rodman's going to stuff the drugged Kim Jong-un into his suitcase and we're going to bring him back to America or to some part of outer Mongolia where he's going to think he's still in North Korea and we're going to let him think he's running the country, but it's a reality TV show. And then before, I know it's too expensive, just kill him and put in the lookalike, right? Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And, and then in, in terms of other craziness coming out of Hollywood, I guess we have to go to the Johnny Depp thing. And I'm more disturbed on the Johnny Depp story uh, with with one. I have one issue that I think has, is bothering me more than more than the other. And if you you listen to the Johnny Depp audio, which I'm sure you've heard or maybe you've seen, he was. He was at a film festival in, in Scotland, and the microphone was crappy anyway, but Depp was talking to a crowd of people and talked about, it's too bad we can't have Donald Trump here, and then talked about, uh, well, let's, let's listen, shall we? When was the last time an actor assassinated a president? <laughs> That's the part that disturbs me the most. It's not the fact that a liberal jack wagon Hollywood star asked when was the last time an actor assassinated the president or a president. Listen to the reaction after he asks his question. When was the last time an actor assassinated the president? <laughs> An, ex an extended cheer, a loud extended cheer. It's like 10 seconds of cheering from the people in this crowd. That's a great message. That's a fantastic message, Mr. Depp. I want, I, I, I want to clarify, I'm not an actor. <laughs> I lie for a living. I'm not an actor. I lie for a living. Anybody else disturbed by this? Yeah, I'm I'm very disturbed by this, and I'm I'm hoping the Secret Service actually printed a response or put out a response, and they they didn't say what they were doing, but one kind of realizes that just the fact that they put out a response indicates that they are doing something about this, that they have to do something about this, and they really should. You can't have a guy out there, a guy with as large a profile. As, as Johnny Depp saying things like that, talking about assassinating a president of the United States. How many times have we had people who, who actually did, did try to kill presidents, who were influenced by people, who were, who were driven to do what they do because they thought somebody famous told them to do it, or they wanted to do it to impress, I don't know, Jodie Foster? It's, it's frightening. 
And after the statement came an even more disturbing statement, after he said that he lies for a living. Let's let's let this roll a little bit. After. Oh, Mr. Depp. However, it's been a while. When he says, I lie for a living, and then he says, however, it's been a while, meaning it's been a while since an actor killed the president of the United States. You know, it's interesting. It was um, just a couple days ago, I think, in England that a guy posted something online on, a, on Facebook and he ended up getting two years in, in prison. He was sentenced to two years in prison for posting that uh, we, should, we should blow up mosques. Anybody see that? There was a guy who made a statement on Facebook, talked about blowing up mosques and in England sentenced uh, to prison for what he said on Facebook. Nearly two years in jail for what he said on Facebook. Nigel Pelham. Two years in jail for inflammatory messages on Facebook. They advocated for violence against Muslims. He used Facebook, according to the sentencing. This man used Facebook to express his hatred for Muslims and has gone to prison. Johnny Depp just advocated in public for the assassination of the President of the United States. Yes, I understand free speech. I'm an advocate for free speech, but you're not allowed to advocate for the assassination of the President of the United States. And I wonder how the people who have hired Johnny Depp, this non-actor, I wonder how people who pay him millions of dollars for these Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I wonder how they're going to feel about this, about how the diminished box office might, might send a message. I know Glenn Beck talked about not wanting to take his son Rafe to see the movie, and I think Glenn, knowing Glenn, Glenn will stand his ground. But I also wonder, maybe we should just change the name of the character from uh, Captain Jack Sparrow to Captain Jack Wagon. It's, it's really disgusting. And yeah, if somebody, if an actor had said, if James Woods had said the same thing about Barack Obama, do you think James Woods would be a free man today? No, of course not. Absolutely not. It's... It's a double standard. There are two worlds out there, aren't there? Well, we'll see. We'll see what the free market does, what message the free market sends to tell Johnny Depp, you're allowed to say what you want. Uh, we're also allowed to choose where we spend our dollars. We will vote with our wallets in many cases. A very disturbing, very disturbing story to wake up to today. All right. Back in off the ledge, Mike. Back in off the ledge. When we get back, there's been a lot of uh, discussion, shall we say, out of Washington about Robert Mueller, the special counsel, and the fact that he and James Comey are friends. And to me, that alone would be enough to have Mueller recuse himself from the investigation. But there's more to this. 
the president has wondered about some of the people Mueller has hired, and he's hired a bunch of people. But now a liberal Harvard-educated lawyer has weighed in on some of Mueller's hires, and we will discuss what Alan Dershowitz has said about these hires and a possible recusal next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-8192. That's 800-600-8192. This is Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We will get to the Alan Dershowitz uh, thought here in a minute. Uh, We're also going to speak to a woman out of Texas that you need to hear about. She's doing something great for our vets, especially appropriate and poignant on the day that the president signed the VA Accountability Act, which should make it easier to fire jerks and slackers and bad people from the VA. Also on this date back in 1902, Mercedes, Mercedes registered as a brand name. You ever driven a Mercedes Benz? It's because that name was trademarked, brand name on this date in 1902. And uh, the guy that was behind these cars, Gottlieb Daimler, sold his cars to sultans in Morocco, and then they started they started cranking out these super-powered engines, delivering all of six horsepower <laughs> in two-cylinder cars. But he kept building faster and better and better cars. And then uh, the story that I had heard, there was a, a French guy who wanted to buy a bunch of cars from Daimler, but he would only do so if if the engineer would name the company after the Frenchman's daughter, Mercedes, his oldest daughter. And that apparently is how the distribution deal worked out. There's all kinds of twists and turns on the story, but interesting. Because I always wondered, German cars, I didn't know any any German girls named Mercedes. I knew French girls named Mercedes. We always called the one that I knew Mercy. But uh, this came as a deal to get the right price on the car. Yeah, I'll buy your car, but I want you to name your company after my daughter. You go more than 115 years later, Mercedes-Benz is still a globally recognized brand name, all because of that deal. Just a little side story on history as it happened on this day back in uh, 1902. Weird sidebar. We were talking about uh, the special counsel in looking into possible collusion between the Russians and the Trump campaign. We believe, I believe there wasn't any. I believe um, 
General Flynn might have some issues, but they're different from the Trump campaign. And we've been talking about whether or not Mueller should recuse himself. Alan Dershowitz, a guy who is uh, openly liberal, a guy who is Harvard-educated, lawyer, law professor, one of the great minds who I think gives a fair analysis of a situation when you talk to him. He was on Fox talking about Robert Mueller and Mueller's hires and whether or not uh, he should recuse himself or what the deal is on all these hires. Well, if part of the investigation is how the president treated Comey uh, by firing him and firing him in the way that he did, you know, Mueller has a potential conflict of interest. Uh, I I knew them both Mm. when they were U.S. attorneys in Boston. They are close friends. They're close colleagues. They come from very similar backgrounds. Now, you know, the law presumes everybody will be fair, and I hope that everybody will be fair. But when you're having a criminal prosecution that's political you have to be caesar's wife you can't give the other side any opportunity to accuse you of political partisanship which is why i think it was a mistake for uh, uh, Mueller to hire essentially people who had been yeah. large you're, you're, you're a little bothered by this. I mean, I that's what I take from yeah. your answer. Yeah. The other thing you said, the people who have been hired are all Hillary Clinton supporters. Yeah. Is that I, a concern? It is a concern more than supporters, contributors. And remember that one of the reasons that uh, um, uh, Senator Liebman didn't get the job as head of the FBI, for which he was eminently well qualified, is people didn't want anybody who had a political background to mm. be head of the FBI. And here we have people who have political interests and backgrounds doing the investigation. Interesting, right? If they are friends of James Comey, I think that's a conflict of interest, especially if they both worked in Boston in that in that district. That seems to be a bigger problem than not just the Hillary Clinton supporters, although that compounds the issue. It really is putting people with a a built-in bias already into the mix. We already know that there are many Democrats who are still ticked off, still angry, still unwilling to accept the election results. And now you're putting people who donated money to, to Hillary's campaign to work alongside a guy who is friends with the man who was fired? Come on, people. Where where is the Republican spine? Where is the Republican steel spine saying we need a different special counsel? And you can't be hiring people who have given money and supported Hillary Clinton. It just goes in smelling partisan. But we're so weak. We are so worried about being called partisan for asking for fairness, that we are, we are just going to let this happen. I still believe at the end of it, you're going to get nothing. It is going to be a nothing burger. But what we're doing in the meantime is wasting a lot of money, and we are kowtowing to the shrill cries of the liberal left who are saying that we must investigate and we must do the full investigation because... Because we're still angry that Hillary lost. That's the reality. Alan Dershowitz is right. And Donald Trump is right. But the White House has said they are not going to ask 
for Mueller to step down. The White House basically said that, but they have to. But some other Republicans should. I'm looking at you guys. When we get back, let's talk about somebody doing something great for our veterans. Come on back and meet this person. You'll thank us. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a Friday, and I know I've been doing a lot about newsy stuff and stuff that gets me mad. And then every now and then I run into a story that gives me hope. And I have to give credit to the guy in Dallas who pushes the buttons, uh, Shamont, who's always looking for good stories. And um, he, he came to one this week and said, I want you to talk to this person. And you know me, I'm a skeptic on everything. All right, who is it? And I went to the webpage that I want you guys to go to. The webpage is savingourvets.org. Savingourvets.org. Simple. Can't forget it. And especially on a day like today, a day when the President of the United States has, has signed a bill that I hope to God will bring some legitimate positive action into the Veterans Administration and help these vets get the care we promised them. Not just the care we owe them, but we promised it to them. We told them, if you volunteer and you stand up for this country and you fight for our freedoms, that we will, we will be there when you come home. And so often we have not. And it's a source of embarrassment. It's a source of distress. It's a source of, of loss. In so many ways, you guys have heard me. We talked to Ernesto, who walked halfway across the country in order to bring attention to the 22 vets who take their own lives every day. And it's been at least three years since this country has known about the problems with the VA. But thank God for people like Cheryl Jones, who is the founder of Saving Our Vets, savingourvets.org. Go there. Uh, Cheryl is somebody, uh, one of the, one of the angels among us. I talk about people who have a sense of service and purpose in their life and their inspirations to people like me. And I've not talked to Cheryl yet, but after Shimon told me about it and I visited the homepage, I was like, holy cow, we have to get her on the show. So welcome to the program, Cheryl. Uh, happy Friday to you. And happy Friday to you too. And thank you for having me. Oh, our pleasure here. What we are about on this show is um, is trying to cover the important news of the day, but also shine light on places that don't get all the attention they deserve and try and help. And we try to use the bullhorn that we've been given with these radio shows to maybe get the call out. And you, you in your story, is it's such a, a brief paragraph with so much information in it, and I'm going to share it with people. Cheryl is a third-generation veteran caregiver, and she's brought her passion to help thousands of vets. And, and some, some are 
are among the 47,000 homeless in the country, the 1.4 million at risk of homelessness because of low wages, lack of employment, or the support they need. And you're, you're in Texas, correct? Your programs are in Texas? Yes. And tell, tell us, if, if I bump into you on the street and I say, what, what, what is SavingOurVets.org? What's the predominant activity and mission of the organization? Our mission is to get every single homeless veteran off the street and into some kind of affordable house. That is our mission. There are so many homeless veterans on the street that haven't even been counted in the point of time counting because they aren't in those areas. I've met probably 50% of the homeless veterans I've met have not been counted. So there are more than 46,000 homeless veterans on our street. Well, and one they of the need our in- help. One, they do need our help. And one of the interesting things is I, I'm speaking to you from Delaware. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our state, at the end of last year, um, the the Veterans Administration announced that our state was one of three that didn't have any homeless vets. And I quizzed the secretary on that. I said, how, how, do, you, how do you qualify that? And he said, well, if, if we get down to um, homelessness down to a certain level, down to a tiny percentage level, and they really did work on it in Delaware. They really did work to try and find people on the street and, and connect to them and make sure that they were getting the help they needed. And I'm sure there are a couple here and there, but our state is one of just three. So that means 47 states in this country have homeless vets out there on the street. And I'm, I'm guessing, sadly, Texas is one of them. Yes, Texas is. Um, now, I have gone to visit uh, Virginia, and they were the first state that stated that they had ended homeless veterans. Well, within a five-mile period, I ran across 11 homeless veterans. That's it's it's about the fact that Cheryl, you're you're telling us that I guess you're saying it's about the fact that it's it's hard to keep track of them, and there are vets that have fallen out of the system that nobody knows about, right? That's correct. That is very correct. Yes. When when Ernesto walked across the country uh, from Veterans Day till uh, just a, a couple weeks ago. When he made it to the Pacific, he talked about the fact he would go through cities like Dallas, for example, and there were vets living under bridges. And he's sure that nobody knew they were there, that they hadn't talked to anybody and they've never been tabulated. So I'm sure that condition exists. So like you're saying, there's there's 47,000 recognized, but we're probably easily close to a third of that or half of that again added to that total. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, many of the people that I met were actually living in the woods, outskirts of small cities. Wow. These that's, are the ones that have not been counted. They, nobody knows they're there. That's so sad and so frustrating to, I'm sure, to them. And in some cases, a lot of these folks are, are off the grid and off the system because they've got issues that needs help in the mental health area that they don't know if they can fit into society again. And unless they get that care, then they'll never be able to weave back into the general population. 
Uh, wh- what true. can we do to help you, Cheryl? Uh, I need donations so that I can get out there and help some of these guys get off the streets. My um, large, the, the, the biggest thing that I need is to be able to build uh, a housing complex in the Dallas area. There's over a thousand homeless veterans in Dallas and Fort Worth. They need our help. And the only way to do it is to build something that they can come to, get what they need in, in the way of education, uh, health care, which is very hard for them to get to. If they're in the rural areas, there's no place for them to go. So if I can bring them in to a place just an area that I've built, which I, I call it the barracks, because it seems to me that they're missing something. And what they seem to be missing is the familiarity of what they came from. To help That's a them really get good back point. Into it. Yeah. That's uh, a and really that familiarity is the problem that we're having. Cheryl's so talking about building, building something that looks like a barracks that's familiar to the folks who came out of the military, who are disconnecting from society, who are not able to really understand and fully take care of themselves. And it's a big job. I'm sure, I'm sure you're, you're aware of how big it is. I'm just stating it for the people listening. We're, we're talking about our veterans and we're talking about saving our vets. And that's why Cheryl Jones is on the phone with us. She's the founder of savingourvets.org. If you want to know more about what they're up to, the activities they provide, go to the website. If you got a couple of shekels and you can donate to the cause, it's it's only going to help somebody who fought so you're able to have those shekels to donate to the cause. Cheryl, I hope when you have big events and when you have uh, things like maybe there's a certain special fundraiser going on that you will reach out and we'll be able yeah. to throw some more light on it and help you keep doing your work. I appreciate you having me on, and I hope that you guys can help me out, too, as well. Thanks, everybody. Go to SavingOurVets.org. Find out about Cheryl. See the program she's got. They have food for vets, home for vets, medical support for our vets, and something that you never thought you would have to say we would need for a veteran, survival packs. But that's very important. We'll be right back. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Here's a little bit of a news flash. Uh, North Korea's Kim Jong-un says Donald Trump is a psychopath. Well, actually, Kim Jong-un didn't say that. That's the, that's the word from the official North Korean news outlet, and he has to approve everything they say. So it's just like him saying that. But according to the North Korean news service, North Korea agents, France press, they call it, Uh, Donald Trump is a psychopath and will only lead to disaster. Okay. Welcome to CNN. How are you? Before we get out of here, I need to remind you something very important, very simple, 
very special. You need to, you need to do this. If you have any pain in your neck, your back, your hips, whatever, if it's pain from inflammation or irritation, you need to try Relief Factor. I did almost 17 weeks ago. I got the three-week quick start pack on day eight. I remember it like it was yesterday. Day eight, I put down the jar with the green gel caps that I would take, sometimes eight of them a day, to try and get rid of the pain in my knees and my hips and my back. Now I have not taken a one. No prescription meds, no over-the-counter meds, nothing. Just all-natural relief factor. It's a, an all-natural anti-inflammatory mixture. There's fish oils in there and some spices, and it works. It works wonderfully for me. I'll be out on the golf course, maybe even later this afternoon and definitely Sunday morning, and I'll be in the garden on Saturday after Pure Opelka. So pick up the phone right now or go to relieffactor.com. You can check out the information online. Pick up the phone and call them, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. It's called Relief Factor. It is all natural. It worked for me and so many others here at The Blaze and thousands across the country. Give it a try. What do you have to lose but the pain? Relief factor. Now, before I get out of here, I've been talking a lot about how there are uh, a couple different systems. What do you think would happen? What do you think would happen if I were saying to you, I need to go visit my brother in New Orleans and his family and I drove from Delaware to Salisbury, Maryland, where there's a regional airport, small airport that has cheap fares because there are, you know, a lot of these airlines set up these short flights out of these regional airports and they're cheap. Like Frontier will fly out of regional airports and it's real cheap. Not exactly a high dollar airport airline either. What do you think would have happened if I had gone last night to the Salisbury Regional Airport with the intention of flying to New Orleans to see my brother and his family. And I had gone through the TSA security checkpoint with a loaded 9mm handgun in my carry-on bag. Where do you think I would be right now? Which is where do you think I would be? Raise your hands if you think behind bars and, and ready to be behind bars for a long time. Yes, yes, correct. All of you raised your hands. Well, Delaware State Senator Brian Pettijohn missed his flight Thursday when TSA found a handgun, a loaded 9mm handgun in his bag, his carry-on bag. Oopsie. Here's what happened to State Senator Brian Pettijohn. He was allowed to take a later flight. Are you kidding me? There were no charges. No charges filed against this guy. Absolutely zero charges. He was allowed to purchase a ticket for a later flight. They confiscated this handgun and they said, we'll talk to you about this when you get back. First of all, if you are a concealed carry permit holder, which he is, you should know better, which he should. And if you drive from Delaware to Maryland... It's the law that you take your weapon apart because Maryland has jerky laws and you have to separate the ammunition from the handgun in the car. They have to be in separate locked parts of the car. 
So he violated the basic laws of the state of Maryland and actually got into the airport, carried the gun into the security system, and thank God they spotted it, and he did not get arrested. If this were you or me, I would be in jail, and I would probably, because it's Maryland, be in jail for a long time. We have to have the same, I I know people make mistakes, but you're a concealed carry weapon holder, you should know better, sir, and you shouldn't get better treatment because you're a state senator. It's crazy. This is as irritating as the Lawrence Taylor DUI with 75 hours of community service after he hit a cop car. Two systems, and you wonder why people are mad. It's not fair, it's not right, and it's not okay. Michael Pelka stepping aside. I'll be back in the morning, 6 o'clock, fresh show here on the Blaze Radio Network. We'll kick off the day together. Join me, won't you? Until then, testudo, my friends, testudo. Opelka. With Michael Belka on the Blaze Radio Network.